We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I say, are you recording? I didn't, think, I didn't see the thing pop up. Hmm. Oh, 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 don't do that. I thought you were going to mute me. Don't do that. This I like this intro. It's just Matt, like, mumbling to himself. <laughs> uh, uh, I got it. His birthday. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, one, one day we're going to get this intro all figured out. All figured out. The intro is is still a work in progress, but we are two jocks in a schlub. I have my other jock, Matt Root, here with me in the schlub, Ethan Ertz. We have so much to get through today, so I'm going to do my best to keep us on track. Uh, this is the show for people who don't know. We have been merging beer, sports, baseball, mostly, and nonsense since 2001. It's the show where the segments are made up since and the content doesn't matter since 2021. Oh, huh. my God. Yeah, we started this show up. when we were 11 years old. So. <laughs> yeah, we were we were recording the show before I even knew you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think Michael Scherr and Joe Paz actually joke about that a lot. On oh, they do all the time. So like, yeah. They, yeah, they say like, oh, we started like 10 years before we were even born. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> we're just following in their footsteps. Playing off last week's episode. If you missed that with Mr. Joe Poznanski, check it out. Baseball 100 book just came out yesterday. Big day of first sales. Yeah. Uh, any anyone get their book yet? Not no book Not yet, yet, but I would like to have a moment of silence for Joe Poznanski's right hand after the marathon signing session that he had over the weekend in Kansas City. I think you can still go to uh, his website and get a link to the to the site in Kansas City to order directly from small book retailers too. But oh man, uh, moment of silence. Yeah, poor guy. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. So good. Um, all right. I'm gonna, we got a couple things before. We got a guest coming on here real quick to talk a little bit of uh, playoff preview uh, for baseball. So I want to do a couple things here real quick. First, I want to read a mailbag or not a mailbag, excuse me, a review uh, that we got. And this review comes from D. Vill- Villanueva. And it says, this podcast serves as a refreshing replacement for mainstream sports radio chatter. The trio of Matt, Colin, and Ethan display a both entertaining and informed perspective on popular culture in a variety of sports, namely baseball. Great guest appearances as well so far. Keep up the good work. That is a five-star rating and review. Thank you, DV. Awesome review. If you put in a review, I will shout you out on the show just like this. Maybe Ethan will read it next time. Maybe Matt will read it next time because they have better voices than I do, especially Matt. Matt's got a secret good voice. <laughs> and 
I haven't unleashed in a while. (laughs) Yes, he's been he's been waiting for a moment. But speaking of Matt Root, today is a big day because Matt Root joins the 32 Club. Welcome to the club, Mr. Root. How does it feel? Uh, Well, I was already joking with you earlier. I think I I was flexing and pulled a muscle. So uh, that's about how it feels right now. So, yeah, man. 32 years young. Yeah, another uh, another trip around the sun. (laughs) <laughs> he's feeling good pretty good and uh matt we didn't tell you this but we have a, a little surprise for you and uh it's it's courtesy of mr ethan Ertz here so ethan i'm gonna let you take it away all right here we go Thank you very much. Uh, Happy birthday. Nurse. That was amazing. Wow. I think that's the best moment of the show of all time. I mean, time. we got, that's, that's a moment. That's the first time we've had live music on the show. It is. <laughs> it is. And Ethan didn't even play its primary instrument. Yeah, I was time. actually expecting the trumpet. I, I'm not going to lie. A trumpet would be too loud for this apartment building. Um, so, especially at 840, but even in the middle of the day. Yeah. Hey, screw him. <laughs> it's my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when when I asked you to do it. I totally thought you were going to pick the trumpet, but I didn't even think about the fact oh, that funny. it would be super loud. Yeah, no, I debated between guitar, banjo, and piano. I've been playing guitar most recently, so I decided I wanted to do that. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah. thank you very much, Ethan. Yeah, happy birthday! It was Colin's idea, so there you go. Well, thank you very Colin, much, Colin. Colin has had some good ideas on this podcast so far my idea you know you guys are talking about like all these things we want to do and like sharing a great review i think we should retire i think we peaked last week (laughs) uh i don't think i don't think it's getting any better so you know i think this is our swan song but you know (laughs) there you go good well done well done i'm I'm like a soundboard yeah yeah i'm getting better with it but i agree that was a super fun episode matt and i were talking before you hopped on how nervous i was last week and I just, I wanted it to go so well because of you guys and because of Joe and it was pretty much live. I mean, we didn't do any editing. So what people heard is, you know, what happened. And I think it came out really great, but man, I was so nervous. Yeah. I couldn't believe, I kind of thought that he like was going to forget and like wouldn't come on, but then. Well, he did forget. Well, right. But I figured like it was just going to completely forget. He just wasn't going to come. So when his name showed up, like when the box showed up on the Zoom call, I was just like, holy fuck, (laughs) he's here. Oh my God. I can't believe it. It's happening. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Toddy was right about me being wine rack excited. It's funny because she's not in my life anymore. And so I haven't thought about that phrase. Not in my life anymore. I don't see her regularly anymore. You know what I mean? So I haven't thought about that phrase much because she's like the only person I know who gets that excited. But she's absolutely right. That's like one of the only times I've ever been wine rack excited in my whole life. So can you can you explain that to oh yeah so here's the story real quick we have to we have the guy coming on though in a couple minutes right so i gotta be fast no worries okay so here's the story um toddy is colin's wife christine um colin and i lived together for a couple years in the syracuse area um back in like 2013 to 2015 and it was 2014 when colin and toddy started dance uh started dating and toddy is an extremely excitable energetic person And she gets more excited about small things than I've gotten excited about, like the biggest things ever in my life. 
So, but there was one time specifically, Colin surprised her by having a a commission done of a of a wooden wine rack made by a by a friend, you know, handmade, really really nice woodwork. It was great, and I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was beautiful. But I distinctly remember when Tati saw it, like kind of like screaming with joy and literally like bounding from room to room like a dog. <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, holy shit! I will never be that excited about anything in my entire life. I don't think. Um, and it was, I mean, it was very funny. It was very cute. But anyways, wine rack excited now is, is our new phrase, which basically means the ultimate as excited as you can possibly be like a dog, a dog who just, whose owner just came home after a week or something, you know? So that's, so that's wine rack excited. Uh, it was a great moment and it was so awesome to have Joe and we're wine rack excited right now because we have resident White Sox fan and host of the uh, it's baseball and whatever podcast. Correct, Craig? I believe that is correct. Yeah, baseball <laughs> and whatever. I think that's our show. Something something similar to that. So, <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg has voices. Holy cow, Greg. I love the podcast <laughs> yeah, voice. You podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 for a while there, it was hard to listen to myself, um, just to hear the voice and then just hear the crap that I say, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting used to it, I suppose. So <laughs> I will say also, Colin wasn't joking though. I mean, I see the White Sox, uh, bat mug that you've got there that yeah. looks awesome. So this is my White Sox dugout mug and I'm enjoying, um, a tropical fruit uh, taproom IPA from Penrose Brewery in Geneva, Illinois, which is about mm. 30 minutes from here. Great little small brewery. Uh, I tried this uh, on tap from a restaurant there, oh, about a year ago, and I just fell in love as an IPA lover. I'm like, oh, that is so good. So oh, they sell it at Vinny's, which is a liquor store in uh, Illinois here, and it's a uh, it's fantastic beer. Vinny's guys is like um, like Walmart sized liquor store out there. Yes. So when I went out to, to Lake Michigan two weeks ago for uh, that that lake house trip with my friends, I was like, I'm going to Vinny's guys. Like, just tell me what you want. I'm going to Vinny's. <laughs> um, it's it's magical. It's wonderful. So you're in uh, you're in Illinois then right now, right, Greg? Yes. Yeah, I'm in Illinois. Okay. So you're, you're holding it down and you're, you're for real. You're the, you're the biggest White Sox fan I think I've ever known to date. (laughs) Oh, all right. Here we go. Yes, I am. I've been a uh, White Sox fan as far back as I can remember, uh, especially from a family full of Cubs fans. You know, I just, I just have to be different and everything. So yeah. And actually um, that was my first, my first ballpark experience was actually Wrigley Field um where the cubs play i'm sure you guys know that but uh i went with a bunch of i went with my grandfather and just like a bunch of old dudes and it wasn't the best time and then you know i went to a Sox game later that year and it was just it was just uh they lost that game uh my first uh, home run that i saw uh in a major league baseball stadium was ken griffey jr and he just took uh forgot who forgot who was pitching might have been james baldwin just took him deep but uh, I just had a much better time there. So that kind of cemented uh, the White Sox fandom <laughs> from then on. So, yeah. How about that? A throwback to Griffey as a White Sox. You forget yeah, about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. the, he was on the Mariners. Was the oh, yeah. Yeah. Was on the Mar- they were playing the Mariners. So I was Got it. younger then. But <laughs> yes, he was on He was on the uh, White Sox there for <laughs> a little bit when we were just kind of uh, signing the uh, – yeah, kind of like the the has the has been's not the for lack of a better term when when, when they got Manny at one point and then Kevin Euclid oh, <laughs> at Kevin one Euclid. point they were all White Sox at one point so 
Yeah, we had Uke for a quick minute on the Yanks. That was that yeah, was a that's right. experiment. That's right. yeah. I think he made what like thirteen games, and then like up hurt for the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. it was really short. Yeah, I forget how many played with the White Sox, but actually, you will occasionally see a Kevin Euclid T-shirt, uh, Kevin Euclid number twenty T-shirt uh, at the grocery store or something. And you're <laughs> like, hey, I remember that. So, <laughs> so I want to start off my questions for you about the White Sox. I want to go to the the topic that probably all three of us at least are thinking yeah. of, and um, Tony Larusa. Yes. You know, manager <laughs> and, uh, you know, this, this team. So I'll, I'll give you my opinion on sure. the White Sox. I think they're a good team. I think they've underachieved. And I think that has to do a lot with La Russa and the way that they play. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. And, and you know, I, I, I understand that, you know, maybe their, their depth wasn't as strong as maybe it was anticipated, but – I mean, to see the only reason that they're cakewalking into the playoffs right now is because that division is just horrendous. But yes. um, they don't scare the life out of the Yankees. They don't scare the life out of you know many teams, especially in the American League. And you know, I just don't see anywhere where they like have really taken off. And maybe it's just a natural growth thing. Like you know, two two years from now, they're really going to be the monster that you know everyone's kind of predicting. But I just can't get my head around what Tony Larusa may be doing to stop this team from really reaching its potential I don't know what your thoughts are on La Russa and what he's done this year so so let's let's go back a little bit when he first got hired I was in complete disbelief I was like <laughs> what what universe am I living in right now I was like this 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 is not happening tell me Tony La Russa is not coming back out of the grave and you know <laughs> managing the Chicago White Sox for like the first time in you know, 30 plus years or however how much it was. Plus the DUI stuff, mm. you know, was released soon afterwards. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a complete shit show from the start. So um, we, the White Sox entered the season, you know, with high hopes and everything. We fired Rick Renteria, which was, you know, which was such a joyful moment. Um, but then that happened and it just kind of crushed everyone inside. We're like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be ugly. And then it didn't really get any better from there, um, especially I remember, I'm sure you guys heard about the I mean, this was towards the beginning of the season, but the your mean Mercedes uh, yeah. log off. And that was just that. I mean, that started a whole when when we were doing baseball and whatever, we're we started relatively early. I created a whole like separate segment just to just to you know, bitch about Tony La Russa and all his antics and everything. I was just so <laughs> fed up with everything. And then I'm at a point now, like I always say on the, um, you know, Colin, you made some really good points because if you kind of break down the White Sox, they're not the greatest against, uh, you know, playoff caliber or even above 500 teams. Um, they definitely struggled against them pitching wise, hitting wise, obviously. So, and the division is crap. On the other side of it, I think, think I'm I'm giving Tony Lusa a little bit of credit because of the amount of injuries this team has sustained this year and the abilities because when you lose a guy like Eloy in spring training you lose Luis Robert for a stint Nick Madrigal when he was with us you know Yasmani Grandal you can go through the list this team still found a way you know to win games uh and uh the the pitching was the thing that was holding us you know together for for a while and then you know 
Tony Russo was kind of, you know, not off the map. He was just kind of like, for, for most of the season, he's just kind of like the old guy sitting in the corner right there, you know, just as the team just kind of does its own thing. So at this point, I am, I don't know if I'm, I've, I've, I've warmed up to Tony a little bit. And yes, I do. I do think there is a point to where this team is underachieved mainly in the last maybe month or so, because a couple weeks ago, um, I mean, like you said before, the division was terrible and we knew they were, we knew they were going to clinch the division. It was just a matter of when, but this team was playing really, really bad baseball, mainly offensively, just so inconsistent. There was no fire. There was no, it's almost like they lost focus. Yeah. When you lose focus, I mean, heading into the postseason, whether you've clinched or not, I mean, that that can only that can only spell bad things for you because there are teams that are, you know, fighting to get in right here. And then, you know, they're they're hot. You know, you're kind of cooled off. You lost your focus. I mean, you're you're screwed. So um, as of this point, though, I would say my <laughs> my hopes have gotten a little bit higher. I feel a little bit better about them going in. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the White Sox right now. So before, yes, Tony La Russa was my number one enemy, even on my, even on like our Twitter page for the podcast, we had, you know, Tony La Russa, big X across his face or something. I've made it adamant <laughs> that we put in there, but, um, with a clean slate coming in with the postseason, I really, and we've got some really good bullpen pieces. I don't know if excited is the right word, but I'm, I'm really, well, I guess it is excited. I'm really uh, looking forward and excited to see what they're going to do here in, um, in the division series, probably against the Astros, at least, uh, at least as of today. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a little bit more credit than Colin did. I, I'd be afraid to, to run into you guys. And I think a full season of Madrigal and a full season of uh, Luis Robert makes you guys, I mean, puts you in another level. It, it, People forget how you know Luis Robert only came on the scene last year. He was a AL Rookie of the Year runner-up yeah. and a Gold Glover, and has hit some truly monstrous home runs. Like you know, he's on the he's on the John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, you know Shohei Otani type level with some of the moonshots that he's hitting. Yeah, um, and then you add someone like Craig Kimbrell at the deadline. Now I I know it didn't really pan out the way you wanted to at the the Field of Dreams game, even though you ended up winning, but um it's still that's still a one-two punch in the bullpen that's scary I mean you've got you've got a seven inning game right now that you know I'd say 95% of the time is locked up if you get to the if you get to the eighth of the lead Mm -hmm. um so that's where you know never mind the fact that you've got uh, the MVP and Jose Abreu and, and Tim Anderson who I feel like lives he like exists on high leverage big time spotlight moments um I don't know. I, I, I mean, the Astros are the Yankees kryptonite, but I wouldn't be all that happy to run into the the White Sox in the playoffs either, even though we've had success against you in the regular season. Um, oh man, I don't, I don't have a question for you right now. I've got a kind of a stupid <laughs> one for later, but holy shit. <laughs> I, I'll ask one question. So yeah. <clears throat> this is, uh, also about Tony Larusa, <laughs> but we don't need to go into like super ton of detail, but Greg, I'm just curious what it's like, uh, um, as like a true, like diehard White Sox fan on the inside. So this is probably a couple months ago. I read a piece. I can't remember where it might've been in the athletic or somewhere. And they were talking about Larusa, and they were talking about how one of the things he does as a manager and did throughout his career was 
he will do whatever it takes for the team to sort of gel together, including like being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so this this piece was positing that he has done that, that he has like maybe with like the Yermin Mercedes thing with like what he was saying in the media, which I thought was fucking insane. And I still think so. But um, there were people suggesting that maybe that's an example, but other examples, too, that he is willing to sort of do something to really, really piss people off, but to like unify the team against him. Like he doesn't care if he's the bad guy, if, as long as the team is like unified in some way. Do you hear stuff about that? Like throughout the course of the year, is that like a common narrative? Yeah, that was definitely speculated with, um, uh, with the, your mean incident, you know, like, Oh, no, Tony's the bad guy. We got to band together and, you know, show him that this is still our team and all that stuff. And that, that's just not, <laughs> that's just not the way I want the team managed. Really. That's not, I don't yeah. want, the enemy in the clubhouse i'd much rather you know everyone kind of be on the same page instead of you know fight the you know be against the manager be against the boss that sort of thing because if you get into a losing streak i think that is that makes things much worse but that yeah that's always that's that's been a that's been kind of a narrative here at bits and pieces but I would say not as much as we originally thought, because um, when he first got, you know, hired, there's obviously Tony LaRusso, old school baseball manager, which you've seen, you know, definitely we've seen, you know, pieces of during the season. But um, it doesn't seem to be that way now, at least from what Chicago media is saying or anything. It seems at this point today that, you know, the guys love Tony in the clubhouse and I had much as much as I, you know, rag on Tony LaRusso, I would, I, I just love hearing that. If, if that is in fact true, yeah. because I feel like that's going to take you a lot farther than, uh, than Tony being the bad guy uh, sort of thing. That's what, that's the stuff like Ozzie Guillen was for and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Now for everyone, we're referencing the, your mean Mercedes incident. For those of you who aren't familiar uh, at the beginning of the season, the White Sox were absolutely crushing the Twins to the point where, which is, is becoming more common in baseball, the Twins didn't want to waste any more pitchers, so they put a position player in. They they put, you know, someone who normally doesn't pitch in Wasn't and it just like throw their the ball over catcher? the plate. Yeah, it was like, uh, like Astudio. Astudio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so well, yeah. Backup yeah. catcher. That's yeah. an important, this is Astudio, an important which, fact. I mean, yes. he likes pitching. He, he's kind of an interesting character in and of himself. But Yerman Mercedes, it's his first year in the league. He's been in the minors for a while. Uh, you know, he's not giving up any at-bats. And he was hitting 400 for a long time. Yeah, he, he was, was He was hot. He was on fire. So in this kind of garbage at-bat, garbage innings, he hits a home run. He he launches a home run. On a 3-0 um, count, right? On a three. Now, I yes. mean, old curmudgeons get all upset about that. I'm, I'm of the mind that you never gave up an at-bat. And it's a game is still a game. And if he wants to take a swing for the fences, he takes a swing for the fences. And most importantly... So everybody, everybody was talking at the time about like, oh, the integrity of the game. Meh, 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 meh. Their backup catcher was pitching. Yeah, shut exactly. the fuck up. The integrity yeah. was gone. You dude. have put in your backup catcher yeah. to yeah. pitch in a major league baseball game. The and Twins you're made getting it a clown show. About yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the it was already they behind them. Yeah. Relievers yeah. throw behind Yerman, and there's a, a big kerfuffle on the field. But yes, and, and Tony so- and and the the big thing that got us is like Tony was okay with it. He's like, yes. It's like, I understand 
if you throw at our guy because that's what we did, you know, back in the 1930s or whatever. It's like, God, <laughs> did, yeah. shut the fuck up, Tony. Yeah. For the love of God. Yeah, supporting the uh, other team who, yes. like, threw behind supporting your batter is just insane. Yeah, and it's a division rival twins. like that. Exactly. Just, yeah, unbelievable. Guys, unbelievable. I, I I don't know if you know this, but I am, like, you know, there's Cubs, you know, Sox rivalry. I, I can give two shits about the Cubs. I hate the Minnesota Twins. And they're <laughs> actually jerks in Chicago that are still saying, well, you know, it's not as fun because we were expecting the twins to be good and now we're not being competitive. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. You're crashing and burning yeah. in last place right now. This is almost this is like the second best thing other than your White Sox doing good is the twins doing bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that is our level of that is our level of most White Sox fans level of hate towards the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> We've just taken an ass whooping from them year, year, year in, year out. So this is finally nice to see them crash and burn in a year where they had high expectations. Right. For me too, I was like, ooh man, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be interesting. And it didn't turn out to be, and it's and it's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you've got a when you've got a tough rival like that doing, you know, you gotta you gotta relish that. You've got to yeah, relish that. Exactly. Yes. So, so my question, I've never been to guaranteed right field. And this was mm-hmm. kind of just a throwaway article I, I saw today in response to the news breaking that the Bears signed uh, an agreement to acquire land in Arlington Heights, yeah, which is pretty far outside the city. You know, Ethan Collin, it's pretty far northwest of the city. It's past O'Hare. Actually, um, really, yeah, I actually work a couple blocks away from it, believe it oh, or not. Oh, shoot. Well, then that'd and be my, awesome. And my whole, my whole, I was just, we were just talking about today, I work in a, I work for a school district, and I was just saying, you know, this is my retirement plan now, selling parking at the facilities. The yes. is like, this, this has to happen sooner than later, because that's, I'll have to send it 10 bucks cheaper than, you know, Arlington Park, and then I'm, I'm set. So there we go. <laughs> well, in response to that, what I saw just again, it was it might have been just a throwaway article, but it said yeah. the White Sox should build their a new baseball stadium at the site of Soldier Field. And yeah, what, are, what are your thoughts there? And what are your thoughts on guaranteed right field? Because it's one of the few I haven't been to either Wrigley or Guaranteed Rate. I'd like to make it to both. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, no, definitely, definitely go to both ballparks if you can because they're both uh now Wrigley's not great i can't even lie about it mm-hmm. cubs fans will tell you oh it's it's historic it's wonderful there's so much history here bullshit it's a dump so <laughs> anyway um yeah you know that's been that's been talked about uh for for forever now it's like should the Sox move on the north right along the soldier field uh where the bears play currently is right along the lake right there and, you know, it's a little more, you know, it's a little more friendly area. The south side where the Sox are right now is a little more run down. Um, but it's fairly easy to get to. There's, you know, plenty of parking and everything. I personally would like the White Sox to stay put right where they are. That's just my opinion. Um, mainly because, I mean, yeah, the area is a little shittier, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just thinking of pure Chicago traffic here, guys. Like right around Lakeshore Drive right there. I mean, getting I mean, even when there's not games going on, it is just it is just terrible. I don't need the White Sox to play by the lake right there. That doesn't that doesn't really do anything for me. I know most White Sox fans love it. And you know, to to be honest, the White Sox do struggle with attendance. I wouldn't say struggle, but their attendance is a little bit lower. Um, or, you know, at least, at least compared to, uh, in the Cubs who like sell out every, every game, even though they're crap. Um, 
So that that might help with attendance. You're a little bit friendlier area, a little bit easier access, maybe less highway, less construction, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's yeah, it's as soon as you as soon as you caught wind of the Bears moving, I was like, that was the first thing. Like, are the White Sox moving into yeah. you know Soldier Field right now? And I will say it's a it's really beautiful down there. If you ever make it to Chicago, definitely check it out. There's Soldier Field Museum campus, the whole bit right along Lake Michigan. Um, but for me personally, it's like I just rather drive to where guaranteed guaranteed rate is at its current phase. I might say none of it's great, but it's you know it, it is. Yeah, what but it I is. mean it's right off the Dan Ryan. You've got uh, uh, the the train stop right there, yes, which I always yes, thought was neat as you're driving yeah. up. The That's interstate. a great point. You see the train yep. stop in the stadium. Yep. Um, no, I mean you're right. It's not a bad. I just have never been inside. I've never experienced the field. Um, and it's not one, at least in our sphere, that you hear of talked about. It's not talked about as a good or a bad stadium. It's yeah, just it's just kind of where the White Sox play. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I don't I don't know if cookie cutter is the right word. Maybe it is. It's just kind of like middle of the road stadium. Um, and it's 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 got a it's got a lot of good space. It's got a nice spacious concourse. It's got a great atmosphere. It's I'd say it's a pretty laid back ballpark. Um, and it's not really. It's not really that, in, you know, like intense in a bad way. I mean, yeah, it's electric when the Sox are doing good, obviously. But, you know, just during the midst of a baseball game, it's a nice place to hang out. Good people there and great food. So whereas, whereas Wrigley, you run into, I mean, Wrigley's, you know, Wrigley, but you just the amount of the amount of drunk fans you you run into there is almost is almost triple. That so most very, fans, very near and dear friends whole, of mine lived in Wrigleyville for about yes. five years. Now, if you and don't I just know, remember, Rick- like being there, and like they'd be like, like this, like look of horror would come across their face. Like, oh <laughs> shit, there's a baseball game tonight! Like, yeah, oh shit, yeah, yeah. It's a very <laughs> Wrigleyville's a very uh, tight. I mean, they've built it up like crazy. There's restaurants, bars everywhere. I mean, there's no parking. You're, I mean, you're pretty much on your own for parking if you don't take the train down there. But it's almost like Wrigley is Wrigleyville's almost like a, a city within the city. Almost, it's kind of like its own little thing, and you know they've really made it into like its own little community, almost with you know bars, restaurants, stores, the stadium, obviously, and um, all all of that. So, very cool. Well, um, I got one more thing for you, Greg, before we let you go here, and we move on to our next segment. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Sox are a lot to get in, yeah. and so tell us and you know, tell the the White Sox fans that we've picked up on this podcast through you, the White Sox win the world series. If they do what, and the White Sox fall short, if they do what White Sox will fall short. It might be, it might be the same. It might be the same answer for both. If the, if they can't shorten the game, for the start, if the if how do I say this, it's the bull. I think it's the bullpen and the pitching for me, guys. It's the starting pitching in the bullpen. I think it's gonna. I think that's the answer I can give you now because the hitting, you know, for a while there was just so in- inconsistent that I really don't know what we're gonna get right now. So hopefully they mash. Obviously, hopefully Luis Roberts hitting five hundred foot bombs. <laughs> but I think this is gonna. I think this is gonna fall under. Um, how the starting pitching performs and how Tony manages the bullpen, because right now we're trying, right now we're trying to figure out what to do with Dallas Keuchel. He's probably not going to be on the division, the, the ALDS roster because it's such a short series. We might be having, you know, Raylo as a swingman a little bit. That's Ronaldo Lopez. 
So I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be one or lost with starting pitching and just that bullpen management and how they perform. You know, obviously you got Hendricks right there. You know he's the closer. There was talks about, you know, making him almost a two-inning setup guy. But it's almost like it's too late to play around with stuff, I think. So we got guys in the roles. Um, let's just see how Tony sticks to them and um, how he uses some of those, you know, middle-of-the-road guys like Kopech and um, Garrett Crochet, see how they mix in when they come in, whether they have to come in early for the fourth, fifth, or sixth. It's just about um, it's just about managing all of that, and they always say Tony invented the modern bullpen use. Let's see if he can, you know, stick to his whatever he created and win us uh, win us uh, a World Series here. So I think it's gonna you know fall a lot on that. Yeah, well, uh, I hope your confidence is high in his <laughs> ability to manage all that stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like here here I am. Here I am, you know, you know, say, "Oh yeah, for the life the fate of the White Sox lies in Tony LaRusso right here." <laughs> I would like to I would like to I would like to I would feel more comfortable if the bats were, you know, um if I saw a little bit more from the bats because right now I don't know what to expect from the offense, but if they come out mashing, I think I'll feel a hell of a lot better if I can get like eight innings out of Lance Lynn um for game one or game two or something like that and relieve that bullpen i'm just like yeah i'm gonna feel a little bit better about that so (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well we definitely wish you the best and if the yanks and the the Sox end up matching up in the lcs we'll have you back on if the Sox make the world series we'll have you back on yeah i'd love to come back world series preview so uh but thank you so much for taking the time and uh, like i said good luck with the with the white Sox this postseason Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. All right, we'll see you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All righty, boys. Playoff baseball right around the corner. I'm not worried about the White Sox at all. I, I think I made that clear. But yeah, you did. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, the Yankees handled them this year. Yeah, I'm not even saying just the Yankees. I, I just, oh. I, I don't see how the White Sox get through the American League. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see them beat the Rat, the Astros, though. That would be. Oh, great. I would love that. Yeah. Well, Fuck I mean, you know, you know, I want nothing to do with the Astros, so. That's that's like the complete opposite feeling (laughs) that I have toward toward the Astros. So, yeah, if they can if they can beat the Astros and the Yankees can somehow make it to the ALCS like and play the White Sox. then I feel really good about the Yankees chances to get to the World Series. Hmm. Long way to go, though. Yeah. (laughs) Well, just as an update, while we're talking about playoff baseball, it's five to three. So the Yankees are uh, creeping back into the game. They've got first and second, no outs. Top of the seventh with uh, Gio Ashalto. Up, up at the plate. But. Can we talk for a quick second? And then, Colin, I know we have shit to get to, but just really quickly, people have been shitting on Giancarlo Stanton ever since the Yankees <laughs> got him. If the Yankees win the pl- if the Yankees make the playoffs this year, it is one hundred percent solely because of Giancarlo Stanton. The fact that we swept the Red Sox, the most crucial series of the season, was literally only because of him. If he was out for that series, no fucking chance. It's because of him. And then was it last year or 2019 where he was crazy hot in the postseason and carried us last through year. one of the series? Last, last year. year. Yeah. So people love to like shit on Stan and all this and everything. He, I get it. He gets hurt a lot or whatever. But like this year, he has stayed on the field. He's been really good. He's gotten hot at the right time. The only reason that we even have a chance of the playoffs is because of him. So any of these Yankees who are still hating on him need to reconsider their life choices. So. Well, I think this is a good segue into we're gonna go rapid fire we have a dozen or so and we're really good at that on this podcast (laughs) we're really we're really actually gonna do rapid fire this time we're just gonna give like initial thoughts all three of us and then we're gonna move on i have questions i'm gonna prompt for each of these topics and since you brought up g let's start with stan i saw a stat from Lindsay adler yankee beat writer for the athletic uh, Giancarlo Stanton has picked up a 0.7 F war war in four games since last Friday. He has an OPS of 1.908 and a WRC plus of 407 in that span. Now, a lot of this is uh, analytics for dummies um, that you know we'd have to get into, but the fact is, G has been a monster all year, especially recently. My question to both of you is: Can he keep it up? And can he be enough of the reason to help the Yankees win the World Series? Like, can he offset everyone else who, except Judge, you know, maybe, who doesn't hit well uh, this season or is underperforming uh, and the spotting pitching? Like, every every once in a while, the pitching's really good. Every once in a while, it's bad. You know, Cole pitched great the other night. He pitched terrible tonight and everything. So, like, can a red-hot Giancarlo Stanton, if he can keep it up, that's part one. Can he keep it up? And can he singly himself carry the Yankees to a World Series? 
yes and no. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to see the best of the best pitching wise. So um, it, it's going to be very difficult. But we saw we saw him do it last year. So um, he he mashed last year uh, and was absolutely on fire. Um, I mean, heck, I would take I would take one for four with a two run home run in every game. That's fine. <laughs> like that, that's still mm-hmm. that's still great production. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think um, I think he can keep it up. He's notoriously streaky. Um, it's just a matter of how long the streaks last. Obviously, whether they're hot streaks or cold streaks, some are longer, some are shorter. Um, I definitely think he has the potential to keep this one going. It's not that long. I mean, we're talking to the, the, the crazy hot streak is just a few games at this point. So he could definitely keep it up. And in terms of carrying the team, absolutely he could. I mean, he it, for the Boston series, that was it. It was him. Um, and like Matt was saying last year in the postseason too. So I think he definitely has that ability. It would be nice to have some contribution from other people, but he's good enough. Like that Homer from last night, the, like, what was it? Was it a chain? The, the super low and inside changeup? Yeah. yeah. Golfed it. Yeah. He golfed it. So, yeah. well, I'm going to, I got to read that statistic out because yeah, I, yeah, I just, do that, statistic. that blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. So, I mean, Ethan, Ethan started off by saying he felt bad for the pitcher. Yeah. It wasn't a bad pitch. It was a great pitch. Yeah. Super uh, low and inside. Was, um, Oh, Trevor Richards, and they said he's thrown 917 changeups, low or inside or out of the zone, um, and none of them had been hit for a home run before last night. Uh, and this was, you know, this this was eight inches off the plate, and somehow John Carl Stanton hit it 400 feet to left field. I mean, yeah, like was, to the second deck. Like it wasn't even a it wasn't even a close one. It was a fucking bomb. Like it's un, it's unbelievable. Yeah, watching him. Anyways, well, I'll finish it by saying. Yes, he can stay this hot. No, he cannot carry them alone. They obviously need their pitching to step up, and they need a couple other players to step up probably on offense to really get it done. All right, so next we have – I don't know if you guys saw this, but on Sunday, Justin Tucker, the kicker for Mm. the Baltimore Ravens, kicked a 66-yard field goal that bounced off the – um, not the upright, the, the post, the cross uh, crossbar. Cross yeah. Uh, and then went through, <laughs> it was a crazy moment. It happened like a few minutes after the giants game ended. It was probably the best part of my Sunday because the giants laid another dud and the loss. Um, so I got pretty excited watching it, uh, but it made me think what is the best individual performance in a sporting event live that you've ever seen? Like watching on TV live. It can be on TV, but it, if it's in person, it's better. Individual oh, performance. Shoot. Well, That's I'll say on TV, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a caveat. It was a game I was supposed to go that I bought tickets to and then did not. I sold the tickets. It was Aaron Rodgers versus the Detroit Tigers five or six years ago, the Hail Mary game. I nah. bought tickets because I had that Friday off. It was a Thursday night game, and I was starting a long uh, vacation, and – I went, nah, I don't want to go out, go. And I sold the tickets on StubHub. And then I, I wait till the end of the game to see that. And I'm, I was living still in the, I was the house parent in my fraternity house. And I just remember watching that how Mary and just running around the empty first floor of the house, looking for someone. Cause I just wanted to yell at them like, Oh my God, Oh my God, what just happened. <laughs> um, in person, I'll have to think about it a little bit more, but hopefully I bought you, you guys some time. Yeah, uh, I have two. One is in person, and this one is only uh, this one is only incredible in retrospect. At the time, I didn't realize it, but um, Colin and I in twenty where it was me and you, Colin, right in twenty twelve. Yep. 
In 2012, we saw the Yankees play the Angels. For those who don't know, that was Mike Trout's rookie season. He was 20 years old, and he had one of the not only one of the greatest rookie seasons in baseball history, but literally one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. And he was and he was 20 years old. Now we didn't know at the time. We knew he was like a really good rookie, but we didn't we didn't know how historic it was. But I do remember he went three for five with a double. And I feel like he probably scored a couple of runs. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to look it up. I'm sure he did. But that's, and, and that's not like, it's not like he hit for the cycle. It's not like he hit three homers, but still to go three for five with like a double and a couple runs is a really good game. And the thing is that he did, he did that constantly that whole year as a 20 year old. And he's only gotten better since we we've talked about him. He's just unbelievable that, but that was in retrospect, that was super cool that we saw that the second one is on TV. And this one will piss off anybody who doesn't like the giants. Um, David Tyree, Syracuse University graduate, the helmet catch in the Super Bowl, right? Eli Manning, baby. That's right. Matt loves this. He's really happy with that one. Oh, no. I mean, I just, I always, I always cringe at it because it's, it's a throw that shouldn't have been made. It was, it was a bad throw. It oh, was I know. A bad yeah. decision. Yeah. Um, but in a spotlight moment in the biggest stage in football, you had a player, David Tyree, make one of the best plays ever what you know i'd say i I still count that as more impressive than the obj recliner i'm going to catch the ball one-handed catch because i still i chalked it up to obj doesn't make that catch if he's not wearing super tacky gloves oh yeah but the tyree catch was even more spectacular because he didn't have the ball i mean he pinned it on his helmet like um that that's that's a good one ethan that is a good one but yeah Damn Giants fans. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty incredible. In person, I've been fortunate. If this podcast goes long enough, eventually you'll hear about all the live games that I've been to, football, baseball specifically. I've been to some really incredible games. But I will say the best individual performance I saw was the previous long field goal uh, against my Giants a couple of years ago in Carolina. Graham Gano, the current Giants kicker, kicked a walk-off 63-yard field goal right in the end zone where I was sitting. I was so devastated. Saquon played great. OBG, OBJ played really great that day. Eli even played decent. Uh, and the Giants ended up falling to like two and seven on, on the year, some, you know, crap record like that, like they always do. But I was just, I think, I think that ball probably went 66, 67 yards. Like it had distance. It cleared the, the field goal post by a few feet, at least. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised none of you, none of us said uh, the Jeter walk-off. Oh yeah. That's a good point at our I mean, game. That is the, that is the. It was a cool moment, but it was it was a meaningless game. Yeah, yeah. it's not they weren't making the playoffs. That, yeah, but, but it was a so, great moment. It was a great moment. I mean, for that sure. was yeah, that was incredible different. to be there for that. Yeah, that was exhilarating. That was the most exhilarating like sports moment that I've been there live for, definitely. But, yeah, that, yeah, that's a different question. We could do that next time because I have a good one for that too. Um, but uh, we will move on. Ooh, this this is a good one. Our friend Shohei Otani is in the news. And uh, he recently had a media session where he said the following quote, I really like this team. I love the fans and the atmosphere as a team, but more than that, I want to win. That's the biggest thing for me. I'll leave it at that. Shohei Otani remains under contract with the angels until after the 2023 season. Do we think that he's thinking, man, I made a mistake by only trying to select teams on the West Coast. I could be a New York Yankee right now. Is he going to leave the Angels after 2023 if they can't turn it around? 
Yeah, he'll leave the Yan- the Angels, but he won't go to the Yankees. Dodgers. Dodgers to the Giants. Look at yeah. that right now. Like, yes, yeah, you can just mm. stay on the West. I don't, I don't expect the Giants to last, but the Dodgers are probably going to continue to be good. And if he still wants to stay on the West Coast, just go to the Dodgers, you know, and price doesn't matter to them. Like they're, you know, they, they spend as much as they want. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's right. Yeah, if the Angels are still mediocre in a couple of years, I think he's gone. I mean, now that he did come back and, and he walked that back, right? He did say, I don't want this not saying me, that, that's not me saying I want to leave. Right. But that's how I feel about the team. He, you know, he had yeah. some kind of qualifier to it, but yeah. I, it's tough. I mean, um, who, that Rendon played below expectations. Yeah. I mean, didn't they give him like an insanely huge contract? Yeah, Wasn't it like seven did. years and like 245 million or something like it that? It was big. Yeah. Basically, after they missed out on Cole, they gave that deal to Rendon. Yeah. And, he's, and he's been a total sense. fucking bust. Yeah. And he wasn't even, yeah, he wasn't good enough to warrant that. Mm-hmm. You know, Pujols had a messy exit. Oh, um, God. You've got Trout, who is, again, it's, it's a shame. Joe, Joe Paz said it last week. It's a shame that we're not seeing the best, the, the, the generational talent of our of our era in the major leagues. Um, in his prime. In his prime, it's not get to the playoffs. Like, yeah. that, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it sucks. So, I mean, I, I get it, Shohei. And, I mean, but, but I'd say – Everyone in, in, in LA the, or in, in Anaheim is saying that. And Madden came out and said it too. Like, hey, this is a critical moment this year. We've got to invest and we've got to really go for it. Um, so, as much as I don't want another strong competitor out there, I mean, I remember what was the uh, early early 2000s? The Angels kind of were the bane of the Yankees. The Garrett Anderson Angels were kind of the yeah. bane of the Yankees' existence yeah. for a couple of years. Uh, I hate to have another strong team out there, but I mean, it would be great to see them in the playoffs and great for baseball. I mean, for Trout's sake, you know, that's the thing. It's so sad to me just as an objective baseball fan, because I, you know, we've talked about this before and, and we'll have obviously many years to talk about this in the future and everything. And, and we'll see what Trout does with his career. But I think that there's an excellent chance that when all is said and done, he goes down as literally the greatest player ever. I think there's like a good chance of that. Like if, if, if it came down to like betting, uh, like, I would be willing to wager some money on that. Like, I honestly think there's a decent chance. And so it's so sad. It's, like, fucking tragic to see that his entire 20s have basically been with, like, a totally mediocre, if not shitty, team. Um, just as a baseball fan, that's just, like, a huge bummer. Like, this, how fun would it be to have been been seeing him in the playoffs a bunch of times, you know, in the last decade? But, yeah. uh, or eight years, nine years, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, plus, someone's got to fucking beat the Astros. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the A's can't do it, so let's let's move on to the Angels. And the Mariners might be the team to do it. We'll we'll see. We got a mailbag with the Mariners coming up, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I think the the follow up question, something to ponder, is if twenty twenty three rolls around, Otani leaves, and the Angels aren't showing any sign of getting better. Is Trout asking to leave after that, even though he's locked up for a pretty long time? And he's locked up forever. I mean, didn't yeah. he sign like a thirteen year deal? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but I mean. You know, eventually, if he it, demands, it's wear it's I mean, it's just it's just yeah. something to ponder. You know, that, yeah. that's the follow up to all of this. Yeah, that he could pull an Aaron Rodgers, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to show up to spring training, or I'll just retire. Get me off this team. Yeah, yep. yep. Or Ben Simmons. You know, they they all do it these days. But uh, let's let's stick with football. We actually we have a fun one here for Ohio State fans. Uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, always, always drama, whether it's uh, Urban Meyer before or, uh, you know, the current regime. Uh, they had a player quit mid game on Saturday 
And after he quit, he went straight to Twitter, which is you know, what all people do. Hilarious. You know, they're, they're making good decisions in life. His first tweet was innocent enough. It said, good luck to my teammates, 100 after that. And luck was spelled L-U-C-C. Uh, the next one was posted and quickly deleted. It said, fuck Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so my question to you fellas is what would be the best way to publicly embarrass somebody like that? Like, is there a better way to do it than what Pope just pulled off? <laughs> to like oh, walk man. off, walk off the field in the middle of a game and then tweet, fuck this team. Yeah. Yeah. Is there I don't know if you can beat that? that. I don't know if you can. That's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I think the only way he could upstage that is if he was actually on the field and Tweeting. like pretended to tackle a guy or something and just let him go. Like, <laughs> and then take his helmet off and give him and like, just like know, walk give off. him a couple penalties first and then and then leave you know um, yeah now wasn't he was mad because he, uh he was subbed out and he was trying to sub back in and yeah. was told to stay on the sideline like dude you're playing Akron like <laughs> come on <laughs> like calm yeah. down it's Akron you're Holy gonna put up shit. 70 on him anyway it's probably a good chance after your first quarter of domination for them to let the scrubs get some time in, you know, for the future generations. Um, I mean, you were, you, the, your coach talked about you at the beginning of the year as part of the core of the linebacking core, like the crew. So, ooh, man, I mean. Is now, he permanently the, gone? Is yeah, it, he's gone. He's done. Yeah, and they're not taking him back. He's not going to try to come back. It's over. He's but, keeping it. He, they kept, they gave him a scholarship, actually. They, they let him keep that. Uh, I was going to say in this, in this era of transfers, it, I mean, he'll he'll transfer to another team pretty pretty seamlessly, and and probably yeah. probably play next year with a transfer portal. So, yeah. um, I can see that causing more headaches uh, for players and coaches in the future. I'd say the place where I've noticed more of that turmoil is in, in college basketball. It's not as much college football, but heck, the starter for the Orange last weekend was a Mississippi State State transfer, so hmm. starting quarterback, I should say. So. Hmm. I'm, I veered way off topic. Uh, come back in. What do you guys think? Is there any other embarrassing way you could do it? I don't. I don't have any. I mean, maybe he could, like head. you know, he could drop trowel on the field or something. But yeah, like, yeah. Take a big dump on the the you know the Buckeye Brutus Buckeye or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know, but. but within but within reason, like that that seems like pretty much impossible, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but within reason, like walking off in the middle of the game and then tweeting "fuck this team" is. I don't know. I don't know. Realistic. I don't know if there are if there are any realistic scenarios that are better than that. But if I come up with any, I will mention them on future pods because anybody who knows me knows that I revel in outlandishness and outrageousness and things that make people uncomfortable um, or offended. So if now, I can come up with something, I will. He threw his pads into the stands, right? I think I read that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He, th- he took his pads off and threw them up into the stands. So I mean, he did a pretty good job there. Yeah. He, he must That's have awesome. had this planned. That's, that's so funny. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right. Wow. We got a couple, we got a couple more and then we got a mailbag to finish this out today. Uh, so this one is a crossover. Uh, Jazz uh, Chisholm uh, for the Miami Marlins. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, or last week or late last week. He did a Euro step which is a basketball move made popular by Ginobili in, in the NBA um, after he homered versus the Nationals. Uh, later, I don't know if it was that same game or the next game, uh, Nat, Nat's pitcher Josh Rogers struck out 
jazz and he did the euro step off the mound as a way to troll him back you know there was it was all in good fun there was no you know the the whole everyone's got to clear benches and things like that uh lebron ended up tweeting about it said it was really cool and everything Uh, and it got me thinking about you know crossovers into different sports and like you know what what we could see and you know how you know maybe we can make baseball much more interesting if we just steal things from other sports like what else do you guys think if we took it, we'll just stick with baseball. Like what could we take from other sports that would make baseball more interesting if we started doing it today? Team touchdown celebrations behind home plate after home runs. <laughs> That's a good one. I was going to say, um, well, sorry, Matt, do you have another you want to say? No, go, keep okay. going. So one I was thinking of is um, so NHL players are like the best trash talkers of all time. Yes. Those of you who haven't ever done this, go to YouTube yes. and just like search NHL trash talk. They are fucking hilarious. They're brilliant. Uh, um, a lot of it is just like so mild and like silly. Like I can distinctly remember one time some player was playing shitty and like the other player on the other team was like, would you have a muffin for breakfast, bud? And like, but like the way that he said it, it was just, and there were a bunch that were like that. And they, but the way that they're delivered, it's just so fucking funny. But like the thing is, is there are big compilations of these. There's enough. Uh, I don't know that the NHL did it on purpose, but somehow there have been enough like videos and and microphones that you can watch like big compilations and can hear what these guys are saying. Um, and obviously, baseball is doing better with like miking up the players, but it's very PG. I think it would be super fun uh, to to allow it to not be PG, like. Like when we, we can read their lips, like we can read the lips when the players are like, fuck yeah, fuck like Aaron judge when he had his double the other night and on second base, he was like screaming at the dog. He's like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Like three times in a row. <laughs> um, like I'm not saying that needs to be mic'd up necessarily, but just that kind of stuff. And just thinking of, of this example of the Euro step, that sort of fun, like swaggery sort of like trolling and everything like that shit's really fun. And if we could actually hear what they're saying sometimes or hear manager rants. That would be super fun too. Manager that's not from another fun. Yeah, that's not from another sport, but I think that that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I do like the Trevor Bauer. Like, fuck that guy right now. But I like his McMahon walk after he, you know, strikes someone out and do his McMahon strut off the field. Yeah, and they call it the the Conor McGregor strut, but it's actually Vince McMahon for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not even a wrestling fan, but just straighten <laughs> that out there because I hate Conor McGregor. But um, that was always fun. Um, I, I, I liked it. it was I think it was the, the game after Callum for Josh Rogers because I saw the article he's a former Yankee prospect which I yeah, thought was right. kind of goofy and um, the Nationals announcers were eating it up too they were loving it because he was getting all into it um, so yeah I, uh, what, what do you have in mind, in mind Callum I'm along the same lines as you Matt I would love so like baseball celebrations are so suppressed I feel like and like why can't we have the team pour out onto the field and like drape the, you know, like the, the blue Jays wear that jacket when they get into the dugout after they hit a home run, why can't they, you know, someone run out onto the field and like run around the bases, you know, put the jacket on and, and everything. It's the same thing. You know, like I get it. It's different. Like when you score, well, no, it's the same. When you score a touchdown, the play's dead. When you hit a home run, the play's dead, you know, essentially yeah. like who cares if they're running, you know, past you like a Dallas Braden thing, you know, you're going to get all mad and uh, <laughs> but, yell, yell at A-Rod. But um, for me, it would be, let's, let's have more celebrations, you know, like they do in football where more people are spilling out onto the field and, um, you know, celebrate doing something really freaking hard. It's, it's ridiculously hard to hit a home run. So let's fucking celebrate it. Too often it's confined to the dugout. I mean, you had, yeah. uh, there were some good ones like 
the Toe Night Show, right? Uh, where you know, for everyone who's not familiar, the Ronald Torres, who's he's a utility infielder on the Phillies now, but he was on the Yankees, and he would what get on someone's shoulder and pretend he was a cameraman, and he would interview the guys or fake interview them. Or I mean, yep. the Red Sox laundry cart stuff was fun. Um, those are you know the 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 Padres have had some really really creative uh, celebrations. Um, I like that kind of stuff. I like hearing about how. Nestor Cortez t- took the team to a pet store because he said they needed a mascot and they bought a turtle. Mm-hmm. Like, that's great. Guess what? I could have also told them that the Canadian border wouldn't let the turtle into Canada, but they found that <laughs> out the hard way. But Broxy the Turtle's great. I love those stories. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like to lesser. I mean, remember the, remember the rally monkey 10 years ago in LA? Like, those kind of things, I think they're kooky, they're wacky, they're off the wall, but they make it so much more fun. Do the same thing with celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last topic before we get into the mailbag. I've got some audio to play for you guys because we're sophisticated on this podcast <laughs> now. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I'm going to play the audio first and then we'll go from there. Uh, uh, Dave from uh, Basketball Digest. Kevin, uh, uh, KD, why, why do people call you KD? Uh, can I call you KD or? Yeah, okay. my first name is Kevin. Uh-huh, Dave. right. And my second, my last, and, uh, my second, my last name was Durant with a D. AD. <laughs> All right, for those who don't know, what that was Nets fuck? Media Day. That was Kevin Durant ask, answering a question from David Letterman, who was posing oh. as a media reporter <laughs> oh. at Media Day. I love that interaction. I love that KD. I'm I'm sure KD knew who that was that asked the question because it was in person, and uh, I love the part when when uh, Letterman's like, "I should write that down." After <laughs> my first name's Kevin, <laughs> so that part it's great. Um, but it it just it just got me. I I just thought it was so amazing and and so much fun. Uh, but I I was thinking like if you had the opportunity to ask a question to somebody like Kevin Durant in a goofy way like that, like what type of question would you ask them? I mean, the KD thing I think is, is just so brilliant. It's so simple, but hilarious. But uh, if I, if I was specifically talking to KD, I'll, I'll start this one. Um, I would ask him how come he answered a girl on his burner about some BS, but he's never answered a tweet from me when I've asked him to play one-on-one about a hundred times uh, throughout my life. So that would be my question for Katie. How about you guys? I've got one. Um, well, so first of all, I, I knew I recognized Letterman's voice. I didn't realize it was him. So that that's awesome. That's really hilarious. Um, at first I thought it was just like some huge moron. I didn't, cause I didn't realize it was Letterman, but that's great. <laughs> I would probably ask something along the lines of like, what's your go-to munchie when you're stoned? that's that's probably what i would be curious that that's like the first one that came to my mind you know or are you salty or sweet guy what's your what's your order what do you what do you go for you know that kind of thing yeah ethan we're on the same page because mine was food related too i I would just try and think like i don't know what's your favorite saturday morning sugary breakfast cereal or like (laughs) you know like in the vein of cc sabathia you know eating a whole box of captain crunch or um (laughs) Oh, uh, shoot. I just had another good one in mind too. Um, oh, is a burrito a sandwich? Like that's, that's <laughs> never been settled to me. I'd say, no, it's not a sandwich. Kevin Durant. I want to know, do you think a burrito is a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good one. 
Well, I'll I'll clip this up and we can send this to him on his <laughs> Twitter and we'll see we'll see if he answers. Uh-huh. I'm sure he <laughs> the will. The questions. <laughs> All right. Uh so let's move into our mailbag. We got two questions, one that'll probably take way less time than the other and uh we'll wrap this up for this week. Uh the first question comes from my lovely wife Tati who wrote into the Facebook mailbag and asked what our favorite pumpkin beer was Mm, uh i'll go really quickly and then i'll let matt go because i know he has a lot of thoughts on this pumpkin that's my favorite i'm not crazy about pumpkin beer but pumpkin is really really good um and uh that that's my favorite by far toddy i'm sorry there is no such good you know no such thing as a good pumpkin beer (laughs) i don't need no pumpkins or yams or squash in a beer i just want beer okay that's both Right. My, my, the amount my, of beers my, you drink with like marshmallow and peanut butter and cookies and yeah, coconut. I don't. But so there's no pumpkin in it though. It's it's like nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger, cardamom. <laughs> you know all the clove stuff. I don't want that in my beer. I don't want. I mean, if I wanted that, I could just go take the beer I got right now, go to my spice rack, and go. <laughs> um, it's not actual pumpkin that they're putting in. It. It's pumpkin flavoring or pumpkin pie flavoring, and it's just it's not my jam. But I, I will say. There are a couple I do enjoy. Um, Dogfish Head makes one called Pumpkin. And it's just a brown ale with pumpkin added. And that that's very tasty. It's very, very good. It's one of my go-tos if I'm thinking of pumpkin beer. Um, and then there's a brewery in, Minne- or in Minneapolis, in St. Louis, called Schlafly that makes a pumpkin beer that's just tasty. Um, I did not realize that... Toddy had such a uh, fondness for pumpkin beers. I, I went out of my way to get uh, sometime listeners, Jay and Mary Landry, a, a pumpkin beer a couple weeks ago in, in New York. I, I could have gotten Toddy some too. It was like a vanilla latte pumpkin beer from um, Resurgence Brewing in Buffalo. I got, I found a four pack, got it to Jay. He said it was one of the best beers he's had at the state fair. I could have gotten some for Toddy too. My apologies, Toddy. But uh, and not to say that there aren't good beers out there and my taste is not a, uh, is not universal. People are going to like things I don't like, and I'm going to like things they don't like, but pumpkin's not for me, but Toddy, I got you. I'll find you some good ones. Uh, for me, it's been a long time since I've had any pumpkin beer, but I'm with Kyle. Back when I back when I would drink pumpkin beer, I did really love pumpkin. I do wonder if I would like it now, because the thing that was so great about pumpkin is that, to me, it really did literally taste like, like pumpkin pie, like literally. Um, but these days, as Matt knows, because Matt and I have tried various like fancy stouts together, and um, they're too sweet for me nowadays. I like I I want to love all of like your crazy fancy sweet stouts, but they're just way too sweet for me. And so I wonder if pumpkin would be like that nowadays too. But pumpkin was my answer. So exactly. pumpkin, Ethan, they've, they've expanded the line. So now there's a rump king, which is pumpkin aged in rum barrels. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then there's a cold brew coffee pumpkin. Huh. Um, so they, they, I mean, they're expanding that. And then they also just, I mean, Southern Tier is who brews pumpkin. They're in Lakewood, New York, down near right. Erie. Um, Really good brewery, really good regional brewery, solid beers. Uh, they expanded the line a couple of years ago and added a beer called Warlock, which is a like a pumpkin pie stout. Yeah, I tried that um, one. I which think, was also, yeah. again, not my thing, but, you know, pretty tasty. Um, just, you know, I think the reason I like pumpkin from Dogwish is because it doesn't taste like pumpkin pie. It just tastes like a brown ale with some pumpkin. Um, but you will see there are some other places that do like yam, yam beers instead of pumpkin beers for the fall. Um, it's its own kind of weird subset of categories. I've got a really good friend in Cleveland who's a 
big guy in the beer scene who like goes nuts for pumpkin beers every year. If you if you can find like a unique, weird barrel aged pumpkin beer from the other other side of the country, you know, he's always up to try it out. Um, I just uh, I don't know. Uh, pumpkin bread, pumpkin pie, small quantities for me. I, I need give me a half a slice of pumpkin pie. That's good. Interesting. I didn't know that about you. Okay. I love pumpkin pie. All right. Good question, Toddy. Thank you. All right. Very good. We are on to the final question. We are going to finally wrap up this episode. Oh yeah. People, people clapping. There we go. Very nice. (laughs) All right. Uh, So brother Dan, uh, shout out, uh, has, has a question for us. Um, shout out for brother Dan getting married this weekend to Kayla. Kayla, Congratulations. um, Yeah. We'll, we'll give a proper round of applause for that. There (laughs) we go. (laughs) And then, uh, he simply wanted to know, can the Mariners crash this party They're half game out going into today. I don't think they play until 10 o'clock tonight. So, um, we, we won't know uh, during this recording if they can actually you know claim a spot uh, going into tomorrow. But um, can the Mariners you know get in? Um, all things considered, having the mighty Red Sox, mighty Yankees, even the Athletics, who I think everyone thought um, were was the second best team in the West all season. Uh, can the Mar- Mariners pull it off? Is it 1995 all over again? I'd love it if they do. I just don't know if they've got – I mean, they're they're on a, a nice little streak now. I just don't know if they've got the firepower to sustain it. But what I haven't looked at is who they play their final series. Yeah, against. that's what I'm wondering. Who are they playing? Um, so they're, they're, I mean, they've got the they've got the, the A's this week. Let's see. Um, but who do they play after? And I'm uh, the Angels. Right the Angels. Oh, so, that, I mean, that's a winnable series. They've got so. – there is – in there. so I'm looking. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They're playing the A's right now. The A's are a solid team. Uh, the A's are pretty, pretty. Uh, excuse me. The Angels are pretty mediocre. They're, you know, they're like, what are they? Nine games under five hundred. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mariners win out. I think that that's a distinct possibility. And if they do win out, they will finish ninety-two and seventy. And they'd the Reds, so the, the Red Sox, chance. after they play the O's, they play the Nats. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm so not the Red gonna, Sox good. The Nats but, are horrible. But but I'm not going to chalk it up to an automatic win, even though the Nats got rid of Scherzer and Turner and everyone good on the team. Oh, but we should talk about Juan Soto next time because he's having a truly historic year. It's incredible. We'll do that next time. Sorry, Matt, continue. That was just a quick interjection. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, you know, I just don't write off the Nats. I mean, you know, so there's a chance that the Red Sox drop a game or two there. Um, Matt, they, Matt, Matt don't write off the M's, not the Nats. I'm just saying versus the Red Sox, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't just say they're they're it's a sweep. I mean, the 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 the, the Nats could win a couple games and make it more interesting for the, the Seattle Mariners. It's really cool right now. I actually didn't even realize, but so so the Yankees, Boston, Seattle, and Toronto are all within like one game of each other for two wild card spots. That's super exciting. That's yeah. that's gonna that's like a really that's gonna make for a really fun last last four games. Um, yeah, this, so. I mean that's that's one huge benefit of the new wild card format. The other the other terrible thing though is the Dodgers, who are having an incredible season, may yeah. run and they're gonna run into the hottest team in all of baseball. Yeah. In a and single they could, elimination they could win game. 105 games this year and still not advance to the ALDS or the yeah. NLDS, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That is, that is oh, kind of weird. Damn it. What? 
Boba Shat just hit a home run. Oh. Jays are up <laughs> I, five, six. Jesus, you now. scared me. You like threw your hat down angrily. I got like I got nervous that there was like, tied the game, and then no. Boba Shat just. Yeah, oh, I didn't. Clay I didn't realize Holmes we had tied it. Oh. Damn, and because Clay Holmes has been amazing since we got. I know him. he's been great. I know Matt. We saw him. You know he didn't. He didn't play great uh, when we saw him against the Orioles at Camden, but in general, he's been amazing since yeah. we got him. Anyways, Mariners, that would be super interesting. That'd be really cool. It's going to be a great race these last few days. Yeah, I would I would love to see the Mariners something different. Um, yeah. Obviously, I would love to see the Yankees. By the time we record next week, we'll already have the result of the American League wildcard game, so we'll know what the division we'll be really, series. We'll be happier to press one of the two. Okay. Yep, yep. Division series matchups will be locked in and set to go because that happens on Tuesday and the National League wildcard game is on Wednesday. So okay. um, definitely excited for postseason regardless. We'll have a lot of baseball chatter as, as we normally do, trying to mix in these other sports, other topics too. If y'all have suggestions, whatever it is, write into the show, message us, call us out, whatever. We don't care. This is just something we do for fun. Uh, but you guys got anything before we let everybody go here? Shout out to uh, the commission. And uh, Jim and Shari Ertz, they wished me wish me a happy birthday today. I think uh, Shari Ertz was like the third person of the day to get get in there. So, <laughs> so, so shout out, thank you very much. It was a, it was a good, it. good, nice, uh, a nice thing to wake up to. And Colin, I'll say, Ethan and I, uh, I we invented a new term. Ethan, can I say this in the podcast? Uh, when I misheard you at the Orioles game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Yeah. 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 Um, if Shari sarcasm is, is if, if Ethan's mom is being sarcastic, it's sharcastic or sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. And now, but the specific thing with sarcasm is, so those who know me well, this is not, this is not a surprise. Cause I'm basically my mom. Sharkasm is not just like regular sarcasm. It's like extra dark and kind of mean. Yeah. A little um, bit of bite. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of bite, a little bit more bite than most people. And, um, and that's sort of my mom to a T her entire life and me for most of my life, I would say. Um, I'm a little mellower these days, but uh, but yeah, so sarcastic. I, I misheard Ethan and I was like, did you just say sarcasm? Because that's brilliant. That is yeah. so good if you did. Yeah, and I didn't like, say no, that, but, but yeah. Like uh-huh. Yeah, it was good. That was funny. Yeah. Cool. Yes. So good. Well, thank you, boys. Appreciate it. As always, we are two jocks in a slub. We are back next week. Shout out Penn State, number four in the country. Big game on Saturday. Let's go, wow. baby. Shout out Steve. Happy number birthday, four. Steve. Shout out Nefesh Mountain, uh, a Jewish bluegrass band that I love. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.